You're listening to an audio teaching from Rivers Harvest Church on Alaska, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit riversharvest.org. And remember, Jesus went about doing good, healing all those oppressed of the evil one. God bless. Father, we just thank you for your presence and life. We ask that you would teach us, guide us, fill us, and Lord, that you would speak to us directly. And Lord, there would be no excuses in our hearts. We'd be open before you in Jesus' name. All God's people, amen. Okay, uh, the title is Ruler, Master, Sovereign King, because I didn't have a, I have said, Lord, what do I give this? It's basically on the rulership of God or the Lordship of Christ. And so I want to challenge us in this. And uh, describe different things. I felt led to go through the Gospels and say, what did the Lord require of his people? What did he do and what did he say? And so we're going to hit some different things that way. And we're going to be hopefully challenged to step up a level or to refocus. Okay? Jesus said this, if your eye is single, then your whole body will be whole. And so that's only, I'm so glad that I read the King James for many years, because that word came to me about their eye being single, because it's only in the King James. And actually, it is probably the best translation of the word, because the word literally means not double-focused, not double-minded, having a single focus, okay? God wants us to have a single focus towards him. God wants us to be narrow-minded in the sense that our priority is the kingdom of God. And anything less has to be challenged. Anything less, Jesus challenged. It's not Pastor Andy that's going to challenge it, it's Jesus. And so when he's convicting me of things... Because I said, Lord, when I was just a teenager, I read my Bible, and I must I don't know how many times I read it by the time I was out of my teens, but I was hungry for that word. Lord, help me to be hungry for the word again. Challenge me. I repent because that hunger is not as strong as it needs to be. Lord, help me to be hungry for your word. But different areas of our life need to be challenged. Back in the Old Testament, when the presence of God or the Ark of the Covenant was taken away, Samuel was just a little boy. And uh, uh, Hophni and Phinehas were messing up in the temple. They were killed sovereignly by God and their father Eli. God judged the house of Eli. And it says for 20 years, the Ark of God sat at a place called Kiriath-Jerim. Okay? And Samuel, as he grew up, he told the people, this is what you need to do to bring the ark back to you. In other words, to get the presence of God back, this is what you must do. You first of all need to rekindle your love for God. Remove the asterisks and all the other gods that you have and remove them and restore your passion for the living God, okay? There's three or four things he's, he mentioned, okay? And the picture I got was this. Let's say we're in a home, and this home has an altar room. And in the altar room, we have the place where we pray to God. 
Okay, but let's say this is the altar room, and that represents, the screen there represents Almighty God. But then we also have a Buddha. We also have this idol over here and an idol there. And they're all distracting me, and I'm supposed to be worshiping the true and the sovereign and the master. But these other gods are standing in the way. How many know that wouldn't be good? But God says his people often have other gods that they've singled out that are in their altar room. They're in their hearts. And God says, I want you to remove them, get rid of them, burn them, and send them to the place called hell because I want to be sovereign in your life. Now, he specifically spoke in the, the area of single eye in one area. He said, I want you not to serve God and mammon. Okay? Some of us work so that we can have money. God wants you to work so that you can have kingdom ability. There's a difference, because if you're working just for money, then your God is mammon. And God says, get rid of that idol, remove it, and rekindle your love for me, because your priority in your finances should be the kingdom of God. Shouldn't be anything else. Who's in charge of your pocketbook? This isn't a financial sermon, by the way. This is a repentance sermon, if nothing else. You know what repentance means, metanoia? It means to... Okay, I know that that's what we've been taught, and that's a good part of it, but it's, it's just a part of it. See, when repentance, I look through every word of repentance in the New Testament. It doesn't just mean a change of thinking. John said, repent and be baptized and bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, don't just change your thinking, change your attitude, change your actions, and get remorseful before God. If you don't think that emotion is part of it, let me give you an example. It says of, uh, in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the kind of sorrow God wants, everybody say sorrow. Is sorrow an emotion? He, the kind that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. In other words, emotional feeling. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, in other words, I feel bad, oh, I feel bad, I feel bad, but I never change. That leads to spiritual death. God wants us to feel things and repent, not just in our mind. He wants us to repent in our emotions. That means we cry out to God. If you want another example, turn to James 4. He says to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And he actually says to put on sackcloth and ashes. That to, to me speaks of getting down and getting sorrowful about some things and the way you've been living. I think we've gone too far on the side of it's just a change of mind. So I can just start changing my mind. But God wants us to feel things. God wants us to repent deep down inside. He wants us to come to the altar every once in a while and say, God, I'm not passionate like I used to be. I'm not hungry like I used to be. I'm not reading my word like I used to be. I need to repent. Amen. See me getting excited? There's a reason why I'm getting excited because I believe God gave me this message for our church. 
I don't want a half-hearted church. I don't want a lukewarm church. I want a church that says, Jesus, you're sovereign, you're master, you're Lord, and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you with my whole life. There's enough lukewarm churches. There's enough that aren't affecting people. If we were affecting people and we were doing our job, there'd be people that are being changed daily. And I'm not saying that this isn't, God's not doing a great thing because I love the testimonies. I love what Dean's doing. But there's something in me that says there's got to be more. I'm not satisfied. There's some things that haven't been done in my heart that need to be done. And I need to get it right with God. I need to get down to the altar. And I need to cry a little bit. I need to say, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Never let me be satisfied where I'm at. Even when I get old. Oh, that's for the young people. All the ones that are getting excited. The young people get excited. You know what? Who says that? God wants some old people to jump around every once in a while. It's time for us to get excited about the things of God because people around us are not being changed and God wants them changed. People are dying and going to hell and we don't care. God wants us to know we care. God wants to burn in outside of our hearts. In fact, turn to the... Turn to these will these are so powerful. This is William Booth. This is the attitude of people that lived 150 years ago. I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. Wow. That is powerful. Lord, don't let it happen. Turn to the next one. The greatness of man's power is the measure of his surrender. William Booth. Let's see what Corey Timboom says. Four marks of true repentance are acknowledgement of wrong, willingness to confess it, willingness to abandon it, and willingness to make restitution. You know, we haven't, we haven't called people to say, let's make it right. We usually just say, let's ask God and say we're sorry and everything's covered. Maybe God wants you to make it right. Maybe God wants you to go to that person and make it right with them. Say, I've stolen from you. I need to replace everything that I've stolen. That's true repentance. Lord, I'm going to be right with you. I don't care what others say. I'm going to be right with you. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, the other city, Bethsaida. Because if the works that were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, if the same works were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes years ago. But you, woe to you, because you have not repented. See the miracles that God does, like with Dean? The miracles that God does with Ramona or anyone else or Dana? Those should bring us to our knees. They should say, God, you are here, and I want to worship you because you're a miracle-working God. They should call us to repentance. They should call us deeper into the things of God. They shouldn't be something that causes us to be half-hearted. We should be dancing every day because of what God's done for these people. We're more, we're more excited about the Packers, sorry to say, than we are about the move of God. Packers scored a touchdown. They're in the playoffs. 
When Jesus does a miracle, do we get that excited? Then we're serving some other God. We're not serving the Almighty God because our priority should be on the kingdom of God and nothing else. My home is in heaven. My home isn't right here. I don't care how big it is. I don't care if I'm, I, what kind of tractor I drive. I already said, nothing red in my shed. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Heath. I just offended my brother Heath. He's a Massey Ferguson guy, I think. Alice, oh, I just did it again. Alice Chalmers, okay. It doesn't matter which car we drive. It doesn't matter which tractor we drive. It doesn't matter the house we're in. None of those things matter. What matters is the kingdom of God. And if we don't have that straight, if we're not single-eyed towards that purpose, something is wrong in our life. We need to get it right. We need to repent and say, God, my focus is on you and the kingdom and nothing else. Nothing else matters. Maybe we need to pray in tongues for three hours a day till we get that straight. So Jesus said, I want to be ruler, I want to be master, I want to be sovereign, I want to be king. In order for that to happen, here are some things that I take out of the Gospels. And I don't know if I'll possibly get through it all. But first of all, we need to be born again. Being born again is the chance to start all over again. And how many have been born again in here? Okay, say praise God. Okay, if you're starting all over again, that means you start fresh with God. Everything's a clean slate. And now everything, you, God is your father. You are his child. And he has special privileges for you. That's a great, great investment of God for us. Your sins are forgiven. That's awesome. But in order to have him be master, we must be changed first. And that means being born again. And then the very next story goes into the woman at the well. And she says, how do you know these things? You know the story. God, Jesus speaks to her and knows the secrets of her heart. How do you know these things? If you know these things, where are we supposed to worship? And Jesus says, you're supposed to not worship here or there. Worship in spirit and in truth. Okay? If we want God to be sovereign in our life, we must have the spirit and we must have the truth. Some people don't want the truth. They want to feel good. And so I'll speak things that make you feel good. And so, you know, as long as we make people feel good, that's the greatest privilege that we could get. No, we must speak the truth at times into people's life. You're on your way to hell without Jesus. We need to get you on the right road, the narrow path. Ouch. Okay. But there's a point coming later where we can't care what people think. Okay, I won't go there right now. But, you know, it sounds harsh, but Jesus was kind of harsh at times because he wanted people in heaven with God. They also, we need to worship in spirit. In other words, we must have the spirit present. Charismatic churches like ours, we love to have the spirit present. I don't think that's a weakness necessarily of ours. But here's where we do get weak at times. We're not listening to the spirit or we think we can just know everything that's right 
and be walking with God. God wants us to walk with the Holy Spirit. He wants Him with us. And He wants to teach us and guide us and comfort us and strengthen us. And how many are close enough where they're seeing what the Spirit is doing in their lives and in their families' lives? If not, repent! Change your mind. Repent, metanoia. Change your heart. Change your mind. Restore those things that need to be restored and get back right with God. Get emotional. Get emotional. After he talks to the woman at the well, at the end of it, he says, now look, the harvest. Look at all those people out there. They're in need of salvation. And since the people from the city, you know how long Jesus stayed there in Samaria? He stayed there for two whole days preaching the gospel because of what one lady did. She went back into the city. I want you to meet the man that told you, told me everything about my life. And she was the first great evangelist in the New Testament, more than likely. She went and told her whole city. They all come out, and for two days, Jesus had revival in Samaria. But this is what he said. At that moment, when people are there and the disciples are asking him, he says, I want, to lay, I want you to lay down your agenda by, I, he says this, I only come to do the will of my Father who sent me. So if you want Jesus to be sovereign king, ruler, master, lay down your agenda and take up God's agenda. That doesn't mean he doesn't give you desires, things like that. God blesses. I'm all into that. But if we lose it in our focus on being singularly minded towards God, we need to grab it again and say, God, help me to be focused towards you. Even though you're blessing me in these different ways, it's not about that. It's about you. Lay down. Take up God's will. I'd come to do the will. Okay, here's a good one. If you want to be him to be sovereign, Lord, ruler, master, you must understand you will be rejected. How many have been rejected lately? Okay, let me ask this. How many have been rejected for your faith lately? Oh, there's quite a few. But I think we need to have it in our mind. We're not here to please the world. We're here to please God. And there's people that are going to reject us because of our stance. He was rejected by the religious people. He was rejected by his family. He was rejected by his community. He came and preached on the Sabbath day. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God was moving upon him. He had a great sermon. He met, read it from Isaiah 61. And it says they went to take him to throw him over the cliff. They paid the price because the next thing that happened is one of the things, if he's sovereign, Lord, he's ruler and master, we need to give honor to where honor is due. And they didn't give honor to the king. They didn't realize he was the king. And so what happened? All the flow of miracles shut off. You want to take away God's move of the Spirit in your life? Don't let Jesus be king of your heart. If you want to release the flow of the Spirit in your life, let Jesus be king of your heart. Jesus, you rule. You're master. You're the master of my life. 
Speak into my life, Jesus. Then watch the flow of the Spirit move. No mighty miracles could be done because they didn't honor him as king, as Jesus. They just thought he was another guy. By the way, just as a fact, uh, uh, Craig was talking about it the other day about Jesus' brothers. And you know, he had uh, four brothers. James, Simon, Jude, and Simon. Listen. And then he had more than one sister. So all you that are Catholic, I'm sorry, I just broke your thoughts. Because a lot of times they don't believe that Jesus had brothers or sisters. Okay, but anyway, that's not opposed to them. I'm just saying that it listen in the Gospels, okay? Just a fact. Jesus, be king, be sovereign. Okay, here, if you want Jesus to be sovereign in your life, realize that blood is thicker than water. Ah, uh, they came to Jesus, his brothers did. Jesus, you're getting a little crazy here. You're doing some things and saying some things that people are kind of getting turned off by. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus, you kind of make our family look bad. You know, Jesus, you know, our father Joseph, he was a great carpenter and he's got a, a good name in our community. And Jesus, you're kind of doing some things to destroy our name. So, uh, could you settle down, Jesus? And Jesus looked at him as they approached, and whoever was a, uh, being the messenger said, who, are my, who is my mother, and who are my brothers? He said, but they that do the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, the blood of Jesus that covers us is stronger, is more powerful than even the natural brothers and sisters that you have. You must realize, if you look around, and as you said earlier, if you honored what the pastor said, by looking at somebody and saying they are the best-looking person in the world, they are your brother and sister. Some of you guys take that opportunity to go to the cutest gal in the church and you, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, Greg, you're my brother. Dave, you're my brother. Arnie's my brother in the natural and in the spiritual realm. Okay? Jesus' agenda and his brothers and sisters are more important to you than either, even your natural family. If Jesus is sovereign Lord, master, and ruler. If not, repent. In fact, Jesus made it so strong once. He said, one of his disciples said, can I go bury my father? He said, no, then you have no, no part of me. In fact, my priorities are number one. Jesus was very clear on all this. He challenged his disciples. He challenged those around him. He challenged because he wanted people singularly focused on the kingdom. If not, we need to repent. Bear fruit, fruits worthy of repentance. If he is ruler, master, sovereign, king, 
We must see beyond the natural. He heals a man on the Sabbath day. A lame man. And uh, at the end of it, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. And so we must, if Jesus is sovereign, realize that I need to get in with the Spirit's agenda. What is God doing? To me, Dean's testimony was a perfect example of all this. Number one, Dean laid down his agenda to go all the way to Washington to pray for a friend. He also laid down his finances. In fact, I think some of us in the church should bless Dean and say, I want to be a part of that side of it too. Okay? He laid down his finances to go pray for a friend in Washington State that needed Jesus. Not only that, he watched what the Holy Spirit was doing throughout the whole process of, of that trip. He recognized that Mark's book was part of this plan. He recognized when he turned to Galatians that this was part of the plan. He recognized that his sister needed a touch from God and this was part of the plan. And God worked with him all the way because he said, Jesus, be sovereign, master, ruler, Lord, and I want to listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. See, it's not hard, it's just watching. It's just being open. What are you doing, God? I want to be part of your agenda. So if you want it, see past the natural, look into the spiritual realm. If we're not looking into the spiritual realm, maybe we need to come to the altar and repent and say, God, I have no clue what the Holy Spirit is doing. I repent, and I want to get right with you, and I want you to speak to me, and I want to watch what you're doing, and I want to know the move of the Spirit, and I want to know what the Holy Spirit's doing, not just in my life, but everybody's life around me. Does that make sense, church? Because if we're not part of that, then we need to say, God, I need you. I need to remove those idols, remove everything that's distracting me. And I need to say, God, be my master, Lord, sovereign king, and Holy Spirit, help me to be sensitive to you. Don't worry about what others think. He said it this way. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Ouch. Wow. Pastor Andy, you're on the wall of excellence. You've done all these wonderful things. Lord, am I still on your side? Or am I on the dark side? Lord, I need, I need to have a little more persecution in my life because I want to know that I'm doing your agenda. See, here's why you get in trouble. Because you speak the truth. <laughs> and people don't like the truth. They kind of buck against it every once in a while. When Jesus spoke to Pilate, he didn't like the truth. Spoke to Herod, he didn't like the truth. John, John the Baptist spoke to Herod, and he spoke the truth. You're living with your brother's wife. John the Baptist went, and he spoke the truth, and he shouldn't have done it because Herod cut off his head. 
See, just because you speak the truth and are persecuted doesn't mean you're wrong. If we speak to our generation, it doesn't mean we're wrong. They don't like to hear things that go against their political correctness. If I want to, to be Master, Savior, Lord, King, I must bear fruit. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word a man shall speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For thy... By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Okay, get ready. Brace yourself. It's like you're, in a, you're getting ready to fly the plane. Buckle up the belt. Pull it tight, because you might be shaken up. The plane might shake a little bit right now. Some of you guys need to clean up your mouths. You're letting words fly that don't need to be flying out of a Christian. Okay, you're saying things about others that don't need to be coming out of a Christian brother or sister. You need to say, Lord, I need to repent. I need to clean up my mouth. I need to change what I'm saying. And some of it's just saying the negative rather than what God speaks. And you're saying, oh, poor me and poor this and poor that and look at Obama and look at this and look at that. Let's clean it all up. Let's get to the altar and say, God, I'm only going to speak the things that bring forth life. And don't tell me we're not doing it. Ouch. Pastor. <clears throat> Got to make it tighter. <laughs> Are you talking about my belly now? No. Okay, I brought a little humor in there. Okay, here's another one. If you want them to be master, savior, lord, ruler, king, then take away the thing that causes you to stumble. People don't want to do this. Jesus said it this way. Cut your eyes out. Cut your hand off. If it's causing you to stumble. He was pretty extreme about it. Wow. Did he literally mean that? Obviously, he's using a strong metaphor. But some of you need to cut out your friends that are causing you to stumble. Some of you need to get rid of the drugs that are causing you to stumble. Some of you need to get rid of the person in your bedroom that's causing you to stumble. Some of you need to quit living in sin and get right with God because it's causing you to stumble. It's causing the church to minimize the presence of the Holy Ghost. Get right with God and let's repent and let's live right before Almighty God because I don't want to go to hell. I want to live for Jesus. We're living in a time where things are not black and white at times, and so we let we skirt the, the edges. 
Let's quit skirting the edges and let's live totally for God because this generation deserves more. This generation needs a, a, a group of people that will be totally on fire for God that says, I'm going for God no matter what and no one's going to stop me because I want to be part of that group that makes a difference in people's lives. You know what happens if you don't. They'll look at you and they say, you're a hypocrite. And let's not just be religious either. That's hypocrisy. Just religious. We come here to church and we do our dance and we do everything else. But we don't, don't live for God during the week. Let's repent and get right with God about that. Because Jesus came against the religious people the most. Let's, let's make it clear all the way through. I'm not just religious. I don't just dance up front because I want to be seen. I dance at, at home. I worship God at home. I read my Bible at home. I see God at home. I just don't do it on Sunday or Wednesday. I do it every day of the week because I love Jesus. Yeah. Let's quit being religious. And let's start hanging out with those people. Those people that are sinner, Jesus hung out with them. But he wasn't infected by them. In fact, he called the, the woman caught in adultery. He says, go and sin no more. In other words, we call them out of their sin. Jesus said, I haven't come to help those that are healthy. I've come to those that are sick. Those that are hurting. And if we're not pulling them out, if we're just satisfied leaving them where they're at, something's wrong. We're just religious. So proud of my brother Joe. The last week he spoke to another man in, in his life, and we've helped this man. We've helped this man come out of the, the place he was at, but he didn't want to quit his drinking. And Joe confronted him. He says, "You're on your way to hell without repenting and getting rid of your drinking, and you're going to die of this disease if you don't give it up." He knows it. He cries. He's sorrowful, but he doesn't change. If he wanted to change, he'd ask for help. He'd come to the church and get some more help because we're willing to help him. But he did his job. He spoke the truth. If we want Jesus to be sovereign Lord and King, we need to know his love. If I don't know his love, I need to repent. <laughs> that sounds the opposite, doesn't it? It sounds... If I don't know God's love, maybe I need to repent. See, repentance opens the door for God's grace to come into your life. That's why it says in James 4, humble yourself, sackcloth and ashes, so that God can give you grace. See, if I repent, it opens the door for everything else. If I get right with God, I remove all the idols, guess what? God has the sovereign ability to move in my life and to change my heart. But if I don't repent and I don't change and I don't change the actions, God doesn't have a supernatural ability come into my life and make me different. Humility brings the Holy Spirit and the grace of God to transform my heart, my mind, my life. And that comes through repentance. It opens a door, a fresh door for us to live for God. Those that are in my mind, those that are walking the best with God are those that have good repenters. Lord, I'm weak. I need some help. I need some help again. Here I am at the altar again. I kind of look stupid here this week, Lord, because it seems like every week I'm asking for help. 
But God, I come to you again and I say, I'm sorry because I've, I've come up short in this area. Help me. And whew, God's forgiveness comes down and his grace comes down and his abilities come down. And this person gets, he starts overcoming more and more and more in his life. But we need to know the love of God. And if we don't know the love of God, how can we show the love of God? And so Jesus gives these parables. Parable of the lost coin. Parable of the lost sheep. Bah, he goes off. And he leaves the 99. He goes after the one. The parable of the lost son who is just living his own way. And it says the father ran to him and embraced him and kissed him and, and gave him a great celebration because his son had come home. That's how much God loves us. And if we don't understand God's love, we need to repent and say, God, I need to understand your love. I don't get it. I come to the altar and I God, this is the year I'm going to understand your love. You know, I, I guess it's this feeling like Christians seem to tolerate things for so long and they never, they never get to the point where they actually change because they're happy to live with it. I'm sorry, I just in my mind came up with a crude example, but I'll share it with you because it must be the, it's a lot of times it's the Lord. Okay, so you got this great filet mignon and, uh, and you're about ready to eat it and the waitress comes over to you. said, I just rubbed a little bit of poop on it. Is that okay? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, it's just a little bit. Don't worry about it. Where did you get this? Well, I went to the restaurant. Da, 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 da. How many would eat it? Nobody would eat it. But look what God looks at. Christians sitting there all their life. They're, they're sitting there. You know what, God? I love you, but I'm just going to tolerate this little sin in my life. Just a little bit. Don't worry, God. Why don't you eat it, God? Doesn't make sense, does it? God wants us to deal with our stuff. And if we need healing, if we need emotional healing, Gloria and Nancy are there for you. There's people that are there to help you get through it, but let this be the year that you do it. Don't put it off anymore. Lord, I repent for this attitude in my life. Lord, I repent of this habit. Lord, I repent of looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. Lord, I repent of saying things I shouldn't be saying. This is the year I clean it all up because I'm... I'm, I'm single-minded. Understand the love of God. Remember, if, you're so, if his sovereign Lord, ruler, king, remember the disciplines. Jesus spoke specifically of two of them. Prayer, he spoke of an importunate woman, widow woman, that kept on praying and praying and praying until she got the answer. So don't give up on prayer. And he says, after the bridegroom leaves, my, my people will fast. So prayer and fasting are a major emphasis in the New Testament for us to seek God and to do great things for God. He, he works just as hard in our heart, but he also answers those prayers and does some things that he can only do through fasting and prayer. If you want to be sovereign and Lord, start fasting and praying. Also, if you want him to be sovereign, Lord, ruler, king, live for other people rather than yourself. Jesus 
had compassion on the sick, the poor, and the lost, and he died for all of us. If we want to be sovereign Lord, ruler, king, we must be fruitful. He told the parable of the sower. He talks about abiding in him. If we want him to be sovereign, ruler, king, we must be close to him. It says they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Okay? We also need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I, uh, I mentioned it to the worship team the other night, but I think, you know, we need to get back into uh, praying in the Spirit. You know, there's, there, there maybe just needs to be 15, 20 minutes a day where all you do is pray in the Spirit. Lord, I don't know the direction I need to go. Pray in the Spirit. Just keep praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Until things start changing in your heart and your life. Okay, I want the worship team to come forward now. Because uh, I've touched on a lot of things. And I know it was a lot. But I didn't want to give an unbalanced message. I wanted this to be a message from the Gospels. This is what Jesus required. Each of those are what Jesus required. He did it in different ways. But he required these things. If you want him to be king, you'll have these things in your life. And if he is not king, then we need to get right with Almighty God and say, Jesus, I haven't been listening the way I should, or I've been looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. I've been living in a way I shouldn't be living. So, Lord, Jesus, be my king. Okay? Remember at the beginning I talked about the presence of God and the ark of God, and we had to remove all the false things, rekindle our passion for God, and start living for Him. This is a day. I want you to repent if you're not 100% for Jesus. Jesus said, if a man calls you to carry a pack, instead of one mile, carry it two miles. Go the extra mile. That's where that comes from. You know what? He was saying 200%. If it's anything less, I want you to repent. Repentance, changing your heart attitude, removing those things that need to be removed, getting straight with God and saying, God, I'm living for you. We're going to sing. And if you need to repent, change get more. I want you to just come up front and call out to God.